Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Very, very thrilled to have the privilege to be asked to share the Word of God with you this morning. We've been um, doing a series called Practical Christianity out of the Book of James. And this morning, going to be flowing on from where Pastor Shane left off, which is halfway through James chapter 4. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. Lord, we thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that your word brings life. And this morning, Lord, we make a conscious decision to open up our heart to your word, Lord. Lord, give us ears that we would hear, Lord. Open our eyes that we would see new things today and receive fresh revelation from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to James chapter 4, reading from verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? Do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And when I was given this passage of Scripture to speak on this morning, I said, Lord, I need your help. There's a lot in this Scripture this morning, and there's, there's a warning and a very clear um, theme that the um, Apostle James is speaking on in this book, and it was a warning to the early church in Jerusalem. So the question this morning I believe God wants us to ask ourselves is what is the Lord warning us against in this passage of Scripture? Because we know the book of James is a very practical book. It's a book that's there to help us be able to live out the authentic Christian life in an unbelieving world. And who knows, sometimes we get influenced by the world around us. Sometimes we get affected by society and culture and the things that we see around us. And we know that authentic Christianity is counterculture. And Pastor Shane taught last week about what worldliness was. And this is going along the same vein with James teaching us how to live the authentic Christian life. And who knows the authentic Christian life is not easy. It's not an easy life to live and it's not a life that comes naturally to us. However, when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, He makes it possible. All we need to do is yield to Him. So we're going to unpack this passage this morning, which has so much guts in it today, starting from verse 11, the first part of verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. So the first thing James is warning us against is against slandering. The Greek word translated as slander is 
here we go. All right, so I say Greek words with an Aussie accent. Is that okay today? Not real good with their pronunciation, but you'll get the drift of it anyway. Kate, L-E-O, there we go. Which means I speak evil of, rail at or slander. The word kata means down according to and laleo means to prattle on, which means to speak down to in a hostile, deriding way, to mock, revile, detracting from someone's reputation by malice of speech directed against one's neighbor, to defame, to slander or to backbite. So we can see that this idea of slandering is a very damaging thing. And Pastor Shane spoke last week about how we can bring God's judgment on ourselves from the idle words that we speak. So we need to be very mindful of what's coming out of our mouths. Now, slander can be about big things. It can be this viral rant online that goes very public where someone says exactly what they think about somebody else and everybody reads it on social media. But slander can also be done in the private place. It can be done one-on-one. It can be a whispering into someone else's ear. And I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we've all been guilty of slander in one form or another in our lives. We know that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I love that message from Phil this morning that reminds us of who we are in our redeemed state in the sight of God. We are accepted and love. So from that place of safety in God's hands of love, we can look at our lives honestly this morning, knowing that we have his grace and his power to change and transform us from the inside and that his spirit is here to convict us of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does because he loves us and he wants us to be able to grow and to change, being transformed into his likeness. So as I was preparing, I started to reflect and pray, what causes us to fall into slander against our brother or sister? This is talking about believers in this passage of Scripture. Maybe we're threatened by them. Maybe we're insecure. Maybe someone has hurt us. Maybe we might want to appear knowledgeable or simply entertain someone else. Have you ever been in a conversation where someone's just paying someone else out because they want to entertain someone it's part of our culture Aussies love to pay people out and sometimes the words can be very very damaging maybe we think that that person's been doing the wrong thing and that it's our responsibility to expose that person because they've got a blind spot maybe we think they're full of themselves and need to be knocked off their perch that's an Aussie thing too isn't it we do that sometimes maybe it's out of jealousy Whatever the reason, when we speak out against another person, when we slander another person, we actually infect the person that we're speaking to and that person is then affected by what you've said about the person. That's why slander is so damaging. Slander is contagious. Slander is a poison. And if it goes from one to the next, what can happen is it can undermine what God wants to do in his body. It destroys the body of Christ. So there are two ways that we can put out the fire of slander. In James chapter 3, it talks a lot about this in the the words of our mouth and our tongue and the fire that gets caused. So there are two ways. The first thing we can do is to allow God to bridle our tongue, surrender to Holy Spirit, say, Lord, I give you these words. Sometimes we need to bite our tongue. 
Sometimes that hurts. Sometimes you've got to actually stop talking mid-sentence. Have you ever been in the middle of a conversation and you start talking and you're starting to go down this track where you're saying the wrong thing? You have a decision to make. You can either keep going or you can stop mid-sentence. I've learned to to let myself stop mid-sentence. I make no sense to the other person whatsoever, but I've learned to be able to say, Holy Spirit, bring that conviction when I'm speaking out against someone, bridle my tongue, rein me in, Holy Spirit. Rein me in. So that's the first way we can stop slander. The other thing we can do is to silence the other person. Because do you know that when you give your ear to gossip, when you give your ear to slander, your ear is the oxygen for that fire of gossip and slander to take place. If no one listens, then the slander will be put out. And we can even bring correction to somebody. We can actually, you know, I see it online sometimes. You know, people say, awful things about someone else and someone else will put a comment in there standing up for that person or just in love just bringing correction bringing God's word which I think is a wonderful thing to do that's the first area James is warning us against against slandering what else Lord what else are you speaking to us about today through this passage of scripture let's keep reading in James chapter 4 the second part of verse 11 anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it when you judge the law you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it there is only one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and destroy but you who are you to judge your neighbor Who am I to judge my neighbor? I who have sinned. I who have stuffed up. I who have made mistakes. What gives me the right to be able to judge somebody else? None of us have that right because it's only the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only man who lived a sinless life. He is the only one who knows every single person intimately. He judges us based on our heart. He sees what we say in the secret place. He hears what we cry out to him on our knees in prayer when nobody else sees. He knows our past. He knows our future. He knows every thought. He is the only righteous judge who has a right to judge any human being on this earth. The Greek word translated as judge in that passage of scripture is a lot easier to say and it's called krino, which says, I judge whether in a law court or privately, I decide, I think it good, means to pick out, choose by separating, to distinguish and typically refers to making a determination of right or wrong innocence or guilt especially on an official legal standard this idea of judging is absolutely massive and as I started to research it I was like Lord there is so much to be said about this topic so Lord what do you want to say today what do you want to say about judging and I felt led to go to the source of this teaching which is the great teacher himself which is the Lord Jesus Christ in his most well-known Um, teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. So let's turn there this morning to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading from verse 1. Jesus speaking. Judge not that you not be judged. 
For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove that speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Nothing angered Jesus more than hypocrisy. Nothing made him angry. You know, out there in the world today, you hear people say, I hate hypocrisy. I hate hypocrisy that's in the church. I said, really? You hate hypocrisy that's in the church? So are you aware that Jesus hates hypocrisy? And in fact, are you aware that it was Jesus that coined the term hypocrisy? Because in Jesus' day, the hypocrites were the people who were beside the roads, who were actors. They used to be actors and they would act out all these things on the side of the road as a creative thing. So when Jesus spoke to the religious people and said, you are hypocrites, what he was saying is, you are actors. So Jesus hates hypocrisy. And if we look through scripture, there was nothing he got angrier about than hypocrisy. And you read the woe to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he has some pretty strong things to say. And that strikes the fear of God in me because I don't want to fall into that trap of hypocrisy. I don't want to be criticizing someone else for something that I've done myself. I want to maintain that heart before God that says, Lord, show me, show me where I need to change, Lord. Lord, don't let me fall into that trap. And we've all done it. We've all fallen into the trap of judging somebody else. And do you know what that passage of scripture is saying? Is that when we judge somebody else, we bring God's judgment on us for the same thing. Have you ever done that? Have you ever judged somebody and, and just condemned that person in your heart? And, and when we're talking about judging, we're going to unpack it a little bit more. We're not talking about discerning whether something's wrong or right. We're talking about that word that we just looked at the definition for, which is putting ourselves in the judgment seat to condemn somebody else and to de determine their punishment. That's the kind of judgment that we're learning about this morning. So if I've judged someone, even privately in my own heart, and if I've condemned them by considering them deserving of punishment, I always end up finding myself doing the same thing. And we can call that a bitter root judgment. We make a judgment about someone else. We bring the same judgment on our own head. And I really love the same passage of Scripture in the Message Translation. Just going to quickly read that this morning because I think it illustrates it in today's language in a very powerful way. Matthew 7 Verse 1 from the message. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling road show mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe the ugly sneer off your own face and you might be able to lift fit, you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. 
let's just think about some everyday examples of that. What about when we judge someone for being a bad driver? Do you ever end up being a bad driver again in return? I know I've done that. Have a go at that person and then you end up making the same mistake. What about gossiping? You judge someone for gossiping and then you end up gossiping about the gossip. What about when we judge someone for being impatient and then we end up being impatient and unkind to the person who's being impatient? What about when we criticize and judge someone for communicating poorly, then we end up communicating poorly about the poor communication. Or we can judge someone for being insensitive. And then I end up becoming insensitive because now I'm in such a bad mood for judging the person for being insensitive. Can you see the pattern? The list goes on and on. There's so many examples in our lives where we can judge someone and end up with the same judgment on our own head. In fact, when we judge someone else, we end up tied to the very behavior that we're judging them for. So to go a bit deeper this morning, what do we do if someone has done something wrong? Do we just have to sit back and take it? Let's look at what Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 6, verse 36 to 38. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So when someone does the wrong thing by us, we need to forgive. We need to bring them before the righteous judge who is able to bring about justice. You see, in our human state, we're not able to administer justice. All we can do is come before the Lord and pray about that situation and release that person to him. Does it mean you have to be a doormat? No. You just need to pray and not hold on to those things in your heart. And the main thing is not seeking punishment for that person. The word forgive means to release the debt that that person owes you. So it's bringing the person before Jesus and saying, Lord, I release them of that debt they owe me and I release them to you and I'm going to entrust your judgment, Lord. Jesus is a righteous judge. He is the son of of the living God. Romans 14 verse 10 to 13 says, Paul teaching this time, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account for ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother and sister. God will judge that person for what they're doing. Release them to God and know that before Him, we stand before Him. He's going to judge us for what we say and what we do. We need to stop trying to pick on the speck in their eye and get rid of the plank in our own. And sometimes that plank can be unforgiveness. So if Jesus, James, and Paul are all teaching us not to judge others, what do we judge? I've say, People say, but Christians need to judge. Well, let's have a look at Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 15 to 16, it says, The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, 
For who has known the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And in that passage in 1 Corinthians there, it's a different word in the Greek to that other word that Jesus, James and Paul all use when they're referring to condemning or determining if someone else is guilty or innocent. And this word is the word anacrino, which means to examine, inquire into, investigate or question. The process of careful study, evaluation and judgment, often used in its forensic sense in the ancient world for the interpretation of results. It's a different kind of judgment to be able to examine and interpret things. And Jesus also teaches in Luke 12, we need to judge ourselves. That's who we need to be judging. We need to be looking at ourselves and judging ourselves what is right or wrong for us to do. The Apostle Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians to judge ourselves. He also says we need to judge teaching and we need to judge prophecy. So if we take all of that in context, a really big topic this morning on judging, but really hoping that we bring some balance into that today. The New Testament repeatedly warns us against the kind of judgment that condemns and looks down on others, but encourages us to use the kind of judgment to learn and discern by being led by the Holy Spirit, not through our own human reasoning, but by the power of God. Amen. Amen. Just moving on to the final area that really feel the Lord is warning us about in this passage of Scripture. We're going to be reading from verse 13 to 17 as we begin to conclude. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go and do this, go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it. It is sin for them. So the third area that the Lord is warning us against is the area of boasting. And this passage of Scripture, if we look at it, it's talking about a selfish life. It's talking about living for the here and now without any thought to eternity. It's very materialistic and it gives no thought to others. Having a look at that, definition of that word this is a very long greek word this morning so good luck to me in saying it something like that anyway ruth did that sound a bit indigenous today i don't know sometimes i come out indigenous when i try to say things which means i boast i glory or exult proudly living with a head up high motivated by a high level of personal self-interest so it's talking about the kind of boasting that is very arrogant because it's motivated by what I want to do and it is a life devoid of having the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Love to have the worship team come today as we conclude. What is the Lord warning us about? Slandering, judging, boasting. There's actually a common theme if you've picked up on some of those clues this morning. Slandering is a sin that says, I think I have the right to say whatever I like about other people. 
Judging is the sin that says, I have the right to determine what other people deserve. And boasting says is the sin that says, I think I have the right to live however I please. And in all of the definitions as we've gone back to the Greek, there are actually three clues and a common thread weaving them all together. The first clue is that for all of these he- things, our head is superior. We've got our head up high looking down on others. God hates that. The second clue is the use of the word evil. These sins are serious in the eyes of God. When we slander somebody, when we judge somebody, when we boast about our own life, God considers those things evil. Meaning the behavior is motivated by the kingdom of darkness. And when we walk in those things, we're executing the plans of the evil one when we give into it. The third clue And probably the biggest one is that for slander and judge and boast in the word, there is I in every single definition. I boast, I glory, I exalt, I judge, I decide, I think, I choose, I say. What is that sin? The original sin that says, I want to be God. It's pride. I know that it's a sobering message this morning, but we know that God's word has the power to set us free. And he shows us these things because he loves us and he wants us to draw near because who knows that his word says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So this morning, this passage of scripture gives every single one of us the opportunity to humble ourselves in his sight and to be able to repent from those things that of not only poisoning ourselves, but of poisoning other people. That he might take us and transform us and make our lives into something so beautiful that just exudes the rumor of God, that the, the rumor of God, the aroma of God, and that we would be able to infect others with his, his grace, with his mercy. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And I believe this, that the reason why this is such a strong passage of Scripture is because God loves His church. God loves His people. God wants us to have a great future and a hope. And all these things that we've talked about this morning, they are traps of the enemy. They are temptations that the enemy lies in our path when we are weak, when we are sick, When we are faltering, when we are hurting, the enemy comes along with one of these temptations and says, do this and you'll feel better. But you don't. You fall into the trap and you end up wallowing in the mire. So this morning, I believe that his word is bringing every single one of us great hope this morning, that there is power in the Holy Spirit to discern those things. There is power in the Holy Spirit to be able to come before his mighty throne of grace boldly and say, God, I need you. Forgive me, Lord. I confess my sin because we know that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful. And this morning, Lord, we just pray for that spirit of conviction to just rest upon each one of us today, Lord. It's just as we take a moment to reflect on our lives. We pray, Lord, that your light would shine on our consciences today, Lord God, that you would illuminate our hearts, God. Show us those things that have been held in the secret place, Lord. Lord, that you know about, you know all things, you see all things, Lord. You hear all things.
Nothing is hidden in your sight. But today, Lord, we thank you that we can come boldly into your throne room of grace and be honest with you about these areas in which we've sinned. And we lay them at your feet. We say, Lord, we are sorry today where we have grieved you, Lord. We are sorry where we've hurt our brothers and our sisters, Lord God, even in our hearts, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that you'd show us how to walk in forgiveness, how to walk in grace, how to bring people before your throne of grace and your righteous judgment and be able to release it all to you today. I can see it this morning. There's things this morning people have been wrestling with in their heart. And just as you come and just place them at the foot of the cross this morning, God's going to set you free. God's going to bring life into those situations that have been troubling your heart. John 5, 24, verse 30 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this because the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And this is Jesus himself speaking and Jesus, the Son of God, the righteous judge says this, I can of myself do nothing. But as I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but of the will of the Father who sent me, the Son of God. Lord Jesus, you are so humble. You are so perfect in every way, Lord. Lord, you model to us all how to live this Christian life. And right across this place this morning, we can know that the good news is that when we turn from sin, we will not be judged, but we will be saved from death to life. The good news today is that Jesus is the righteous judge and he will judge each person with perfect justice. The good news today is it's not too late to turn from evil and choose his goodness. He has made a way. I'd love us to pray this prayer this morning together in response to his word. Thank you for your conviction, Holy Spirit. Illuminate my heart. I know I've sinned against you, Jesus. Forgive me. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I surrender to you the reins of my life I have been holding on to. I confess that you alone are God and are Lord of my life, my Savior. Today, I choose to follow you. Amen.